So everybody is scared. The kids are crying. The women don't, you know, June's about to lose it. And what are they to do? These things will not die. You're listening to River City Mystery Podcast, the show that delves into the Evansville and surrounding tri-state area's mysteries, including unsolved crimes, murders, and disappearances, a show that isn't afraid to jump down the rabbit hole to investigate reports of local hauntings, sightings of UFOs and cryptids, among other paranormal phenomena. With your host, co-founder of the Humans of Evansville Facebook page, law office worker by day, insomniac researcher of the unknown by night, Matt Dyg. Welcome to episode 9. My guest today is someone who has a very unique perspective into one of the most bizarre cases involving a close encounter of the third kind that you'll ever hear. She's the daughter of Elmer Lucky Sutton, one of 11 people who claim to have encountered mysterious beings on their farm in the summer of 1955 in an event now famously known as the Hopkinsville Kelly Little Green Men Encounter. And I've just been fascinated with this case ever since I was a little kid, and I'd like to welcome to the show Geraldine Sutton-Stith, daughter of Lucky Sutton and author of several books on the case, including Alien Legacy, The Kelly Greenman, and A Strange New World. Thank you for joining me, Geraldine. Thank you. Thank you, Matt, for having me. I appreciate it. I'm excited to talk to you. I've, I've just finished both of your, your books on the case, and uh, I'm really excited to hear what you have to say. You have uh, well, such a un- unique perspective on what happens, and you <laughs> you were raised by the uh, family who actually lived it. Yes, exactly. So, you know, yeah, I know the story, and, you know, I've heard it. So, you know, I know how they felt. I know what it did to them. You, you know, I, I just know. I'm sure not everyone has heard of the Hopkinsville Kelly Little Green Men case. Can you tell us how you've come to understand the events of that evening? Okay. Of course, it was August the 21st, 1955. Um, this happened on my grandmother's farm, Miss Glennie Lankford. Um, she owned the farm with her husband, and he had passed, so she was a widow. So she lived there with her three small children, who were 12, 10, and 7 at the time. And my uncle J.C. and his wife Eileen stayed there with her and helped her out. The weekend this happened... It just so happened my dad, who had worked with the carnival since he w- was the age of 14, mm-hmm. had come in for the weekend. Um, they were stationed in Evansville. So they decided since they were so close, they would get away for a few days and, you know, get some good old home cooking and see the family for a little bit. So him and his wife, Vera, and their friends, uh, Billy Ray Taylor and June, came in with them. And so they spent the weekend, enjoyed every, you know, every minute they could. And Sunday evening was going to be their last time. So they were just enjoying a nice, quiet evening. My grandmother had went to church. She had gotten back. Mm-hmm. The guys were sitting there playing cards. And Billy Ray said, well, you know, I'm going to go out to the well and get some water. Of course, they did not have running water in the house. Electricity, they did, but running water, no. So he ran out to the well. And as he was standing there getting his water, he heard something he didn't recognize, looked up toward where he was hearing this noise and saw a round, well, this oval object, silver in color. And he described it having all the colors of the rainbow floating behind it. 
Of course, he didn't know what it was. None of us would have. So he ran in the house, slammed the door behind him. Of course, everybody was just, you know, shocked and looked up at him. You know, Billy Ray, what's wrong? And he told him, he says, I just saw something out here, and it's it's not right. You know, it scared him. He was pale. He was sweating. Um, his wife could see that, but yet they thought, well, Billy Ray being Billy Ray, he's just playing a trick on us. So they just let it go, just laughed at him and kept on. And he, But he was very adamant about it, and he kept saying, there's something out here. You need to listen to me. Well, my dad, who, like you said, is Elmer Lucky Sutton, said, Billy, take me out to the well. Let's 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 go over this again because they tried to reason with him. They tried to say, you know, my grandmother said, well, maybe it was a shooting star, and Billy Ray told them, no, I know what that looks like. Well, maybe it was a meteor shower because they had been having meteor showers that month. Mm-hmm. He said, no, I know what those look like too. It was it was neither of those. So they went out to a well. And he stood there, and he's pointed towards the sky, told my dad again what he saw. My dad tried to reason with him again with what they had just talked about, and Billy Ray's very adamant about it. No, it wasn't none of those things. I'm telling you, there was something out here. Well, my dad told him, so listen, this is our last night. This is all we got left. Let's go in and enjoy the rest of it. There's nothing out here now. So as they're heading toward the house, the old hound dog went running by them, tail tucked, ears down, ran into the house. Well, my dad thought he'd gotten himself in trouble, like maybe a beehive or something, didn't think any more of it. Well, they kept walking toward the house, and lo and behold, they saw something come out of the back of the woods. It had huge ears, big glowing eyes, arms down to the ground, and it seemed to float above the ground. Okay. Well, they both ran in the door, slammed it behind them, and started telling everybody, yes, there is something out here. Well, of course... My grandmother and everybody else thought, well, Billy Ray then got lucky out there to go along with his little trickery trying to scare the girls. Because you got to realize these were all people in their 20s, and June was, was actually either 18 or 19. So, you know, that was their big thing. And so they kept on. My grandmother told my dad, said, you need to just calm down because i got to get these kids in bed, and you're not helping me. And he kept on, you know, Mom, there is something out here. Well, she knew it was serious when one grabbed a rifle, one grabbed a shotgun, one went to the front door, one went to the back. So my grandma thought, hmm, okay, I'll go see Billy Ray. Because she thought she could get more out of Billy Ray than she could my dad. So she went out back where he was, squatted down there beside him, asked him, Billy Ray, what did you see? And he told her, he said, Miss Glennie, I hope it's something that you never have to see. So they sat there in silence for a while. They could hear the others talking in the background in the house. And it was, of course, getting dark. And lo and behold, around the corner of the house where my grandmother was sitting, (laughs) this little being, big ears, glowing eyes, arms down to the ground. She screams. She falls. Everybody hears her. They come running to where she's at. Billy Ray's helping her get up. And she told them, so there is something out here. And lo and behold, they hear a shot ring out in the house. They run in there. Michael J.C. shot one through the window. Billy Ray, I guess he got his big boy pants on by then. He runs out the front door, and there's this little stoop over the door. And he's standing there, and there's this clawed hand that comes down trying to grab his hair. 
My Aunt Eileen reaches out, yanks him back in the house, and my dad runs out, turned towards the roof where it was at, shoots at it. He hits mm-hmm. it, of course. He hears it. Right. Plus, these are country boys that could shoot by the time they could walk, just about. So he hits it. It rolls, floats away. Well, somebody screams there's one in the front tree because they had these huge maple trees in the front yard. So he turns, and there it is, sitting on a big limb. Shoots it. It falls to the ground. It, well, it floats to the ground, actually, and hits the ground, rolls, and goes away. Here they are. They don't know what these things are. They shoot one off the back fence. They're trying to keep them out of the windows, out of the doors, because it seems like they're trying to come in. They don't know, mm-hmm. you know. So everybody is scared. The kids are crying. The women don't, you know, June's about to lose it. And what are they to do? These things will not die. They shoot them. They come up. They come back. What are they to do? So my dad sits them all down and tells them, listen, we're going to get to Hopkinsville. If we can get to Hopkinsville, we can get help, which Hopkinsville at the time was like seven miles down the road from Kelly. So they're sitting there in silence, trying to wait to, to find a good moment to leave, when all of a sudden they hear one going across the tin roof. And they can hear the nails clicking and scratching along the roof. Well, this really sends everybody into hysterics. June's really about to lose it. Everybody, the kids are crying. What are they going to do? And my dad tells us, listen, we're, we're going to get out of this. Just hold on. Just hold on. So they sit there for a little bit longer. It gets quiet again. And he says, let's go. So they hit the trucks and head to Hopkinsville. Here they get to Hopkinsville. Of course, this is 1955. Uh, one little officer on duty. You know, right. They didn't have to have a bunch like they do today. And uh, he got 11 people from the age of 7 to 50 running into this little officer's place there and they're all trying to tell what happened and he's not understanding and he's like whoa 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 you say you got little men trying to get into your house and my dad's trying to tell him you're not understanding what we're trying to tell you so he tells him listen let me call the chief so he calls chief russell greenwell greenwell tells him says keep them there call fort campbell fort campbell army base which is about 10 miles from hopkinsville Call Fort Campbell, call the paper, get a hold of the, re- you know, just everybody can. Let's get some people out there to this farm. Because Greenwell believed wholeheartedly something was going on. So they all get there. They try to calm the family down. They all get back in the vehicles, head toward Kelly. Okay, you got this caravan of vehicles going to Itsy Bitsy Kelly in the middle of the night. It's pitch black dark. They didn't have street lights and stuff like that back then. They pull up get out and they can tell something happened it feels strange for one two you've got rifle and shotgun shells all over the ground you've got them inside the house and there's holes through screens there's places on the woodwork that they hit you know obvious something happened to this family right well as they pulled up the car of officers did notice that there was a glowing substance back on the fence. It was where they had shot one. So, of course, they ran back there as soon as they could get there. But as they came up on the substance, it would not glow anymore. The only time they could see it glowing is if they were away from it. Hmm. But that's the only thing they could find besides the you know shotgun and rifle shells. They looked everywhere, couldn't find a body. 
Greenwell went to my grandmother and said, Miss Glennie, I am so sorry, but there's nothing here. There's nothing we can do for you. And they left. So they left my grandmother there for anything to happen again. You know, they were still all afraid. She finally got the kids down to sleep. She went and got in her bed. My dad sat beside her in the rocking chair with a shotgun across his lap. And she opened her eyes and she saw a little bean at the window again. And she got to thinking, you know, I'm tired. You know, they are physically and mentally exhausted. So she closes her eyes and she opens them up the second time. Well, it's still standing there. The third time she does it, she screams at my dad, they're back. So they get up and here they are defending the house again. And this goes on till the sun rises. When the sun comes up, they disappear. And the only thing they can figure the reason why is they did notice that if they shined a light toward them or if they kicked the light on, they backed off. So they thought, well, maybe their big eyes couldn't take the light. So the sun was their saving grace. Well, my dad got everybody, set them down, told them, said, listen, no good can come of this story. I heard them last night. They were laughing at us. They don't believe us. So he said, forget it. Just forget this ever happened. Let's just go on with our lives and just let it go. Mm -hmm. Well, some of the guys actually went to Evansville that morning to do something. Uh, The girls stayed there. And while they were there, there was people actually coming in wanting to talk to them and interview them. So they started getting bombarded with people. And so I call it the invasion of the people because they were coming from everywhere. Word had gotten out all over the country that this had happened. So everybody was wanting to find out about it. So you had people camping out in the yard. You had people walking around, picking up souvenirs. They were actually walking through the house and taking stuff. Wow. You know, my grandmother asked one of the officers that was there, can you do something about this? They're going to rob us blind. And he told her, he says, well, I'll try. And so he did get everybody to leave. But as soon as the officers were gone, they came back. So, you know, what were they to do? Uh, my dad and Billy Ray and the girls had to go back to work. They had to leave. So all that was going to be left was my grandmother, three small kids, and my uncle, J.C., and Aunt Eileen. And what was she to do? So um, she sold the farm, sold it within two weeks. Wow. And moved into Hopkinsville to an apartment complex where she felt safer because she was around people and she thought safety in numbers. And she sold the the house to other family members and the kids that, of course, are older today, Mm -hmm. that are alive today can tell you that they hated that place. They did not want to move into it because the people that lived in Kelly, you know, knew something happened that night because they heard the stuff that was going on. They heard the shots. They heard the screaming, the cussing, the carrying on. You know, and all during the day, that day, there were lights being seen around everywhere that nobody could explain. That night, there was a light going from Clarksville to Fort Campbell through Hopkinsville and was seen over Kelly that night. But this stuff did not come out till later on. So things, you know, were happening. And my mom lived in Kelly at the time, too. See, my mom and dad weren't married yet. And, um, um. She lived there in Kelly with her first husband and seven kids. 
And she said it was terrifying because they didn't know if these things were going to come back. If they did come back, what did they want? What did they right. want in the first place? Absolutely. Why did they land in little bitty yeah, what do you want? Yeah, and choose this one house. You know, nobody could understand it. So, you know, but the next morning also, I didn't mention this, the next morning also, um, they came from Fort Campbell and and surveyed the place, you know, did the, you know, aren't the shoulder to shoulder, what do they call it? I can't think, grid. Like a, a grid canvassing, the yeah. grid, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and went down through there and did that. And, you know, of course, there was stuff flying over that was doing searches, but, you know, they just threw it to the side, let it go. They never found any physical evidence at all. All of these gunshots and shooting and um, all of these beings being shot, and there was not anything well, I was told by somebody that, of course, is real, a lot older now, mm-hmm. but was there that day that saw it, that said that they did witness somebody in the military pick up something, hide it under their shirt, run it to the back of a truck, drop it in the back of the truck, and the truck took off. But we'll never know. You know, you just don't know about these things. So they keep everything hidden and hush, hush. And, you know. It gets swept under the but, rug and we don't talk about that. Exactly. Was it ever, was this case ever investigated? I know Project um, Blue Book did investigations from the 50s, like the 52 to 69, I think. So this falls right in right. there. Did, was there ever like an official investigation? Not, no, no, no. They just... They just swept it under the rug. They they never did anything they should have. They didn't take any samples of anything, which they could have. They could have taken a sample off the ground where that glowing substance was. They you could think? have took <laughs> something mean, off that roof. There had to have been something on that roof where they had been crawling across yet. Um, dirt, anything they could have gotten up. You know, and, okay, this is a kicker because, see, my parents kept this story hid from us. We found out about it just by chance. And by chance, I mean, when I was like eight years old, this couple came to our house to talk to my dad. I'll never forget this. And um, I guess my mom and dad thought, well, they're going to find out about it sometime because the other, the older kids kept this hush. They didn't talk about it. And, uh, so my parents set us down on the floor in a circle, all the smaller kids, and um, my dad told this incredible story. It scared me to death, you know, because I've always loved science fiction and horror. Even when I was little, I loved this stuff. But after I heard the story, it terrified me. I'd go through at night, close all the doors and shutters and windows and everything, because I was afraid these things were going to come back and look in at us. Well, it checks and all the, the boxes as far as being one of those horrible, you know, sci-fi alien invasion t- types of scenarios. Right, I mean, it, right, it's, it's everything. Right. So I can see why you'd be terrified as a kid. And, you know, back in the late 50s when all these uh, uh, sci-fi movies about aliens came out, you know. So, you know, in the late 60s when I was like eight years old, of course, I was watching these things. Never even thought about anything that, you know, being real until this story but the, uh, the kicker to this is the following weekend after this couple came and talked to my dad, my dad took us to Kelly and showed us where it all happened. And when we went, the old house was still standing. Nobody was living in it. It was coming apart. The well is still there. It's still there right now. Is it really? Uh, okay. 
Yeah, and then he took us back in the field where this craft had landed. And sure enough, I'll never forget, this big round spot was on the ground where no grass was growing. Wow, how big was this ring? Or oval? Was it an oval or was it a ring? It was round. It round? was totally round. It was okay. like the size. I like to tell people it was probably the size. You know how big a like a thirty-two? How did they do? We had a swimming pool that big, a thirty-two, thirty-two foot or whatever you said, swimming pool, about that big. I would say. You know, I was Pretty little like I was eight years old, but I wasn't stupid either. Right. So, you, know, <laughs> you know, it was huge. And I've had people come forward and tell me that grew up in Kelly that there's many a day they just walked right across that circle. They knew it was there. Hmm. You know, going hunting back in there and stuff. Yeah, they just walked across that and everything think twice about it and knew it was there. Of course, now all that back in there, the people that own it, that part of the land has grown up, and I don't even know if they've even had it, you know, conserved or not, because the trees are huge and have grown. And um, we, I don't know how long your 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 thing is here. Oh, as long as it needs to be, it's there's no time limit. Okay, <laughs> I'm good. fascinated with this, so go ahead. Okay, because back in 2020, uh, I don't know if you know who Ben Hansen is. But um, he does these paranormal UFO shows and that type of thing. Mm, well, a new okay. show com- came out on Discovery Plus called UFO Witness. Mm-hmm. And they got a hold of me wanting to do the story. So in 2020, we actually went down to Kelly and, and did the show. Oh, wow. And I have a book where I have a, a map where Isabel Davis, who did a really good write-up on this story, uh, did a map and she actually did the map where you could tell where the craft had landed. So Ben took this map that I had and measured out everything. And we were actually able to measure out approximately where the craft had landed. And back in those woods, like I said, it was really, really thick. You couldn't hardly get back in there, but he was able to get back in there far enough but he's pretty sure he found the spot because there is a spot back in there that still isn't growing like the rest of the, the trees around it. Okay. Hmm. He took a Geiger counter with him and it did read. After all these years, it had still had yes, a reading after in all the area. That's, that's amazing. He, he also brought a metal detector because he wanted to check out some of the trees mm-hmm. to see if there were any you know, shells, bullets, anything like that in there. But, of course, you couldn't really go by that because 55 to now, you've had people hunting back well, in sure. there for years and years and years. So, you know, but it was just amazing that he was able to get back in there. We went so far, me and my sister did, and then it just got so thick. Ben said, just hold off because cause it was getting dark. And he went back on in there with the camera guy and got back in there as far as they could. And then when he got back in there, he got to hearing stuff and I think it kind of scared him because like I said, it was really thick. And he said, do you know if there's any Bigfoot back in here? And I'm like, Oh, who knows? (laughs) 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 I don't know. There's no telling what's back in these woods. Well, he could blend that episode in with another episode of the paranormal. If he, if he did bump into something. So, Hey, it could have worked out. Right. 
But anyway, it turned out really good. It, that was a really good one. You know, I've done several shows, and I think that was probably I'll have to one check of the that best ones. I'll have a yeah. link to that in the in the show notes so everybody can check it out. And I'll have a link to your uh, your books too. Is the Amazon the best place to to find your books, or is there a, a well? Place actually, there? if you really want to get a book and get it signed and everything, you just need to go on my Etsy shop page, which is called Aliens and Goblins, all lowercase, all together. And you get on there, and they're cheaper. I sell them cheaper on there, and. I autograph them for people. Oh, that's nice. I'll have and a link to that, too. And I also send them a little little card that's like a synopsis that I had somebody made for me and, you know, little gifts and stuff. So. Oh, very cool. Yeah. I'm looking at the, the cover of your book, The Kelly Greenman, and it's got a picture of, I think, what the family all reported as, as what the creature looked like. And it just it's yeah. terrifying, <laughs> actually. It's got these giant yeah. yellow eyes, long, skinny arms. Yes. Um, but he yeah, wasn't... It's uh, terrifying. I know the Evansville newspaper at the time reported it as the little green men, but the, it was actually not green. You more of a silvery or gray. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Well, they call it gunmetal gray. Gunmetal gray. Okay. Yeah. But um, the coin little green man came from a reporter that put the two and two together. Kelly, Kelly green. Oh, there you go. Yeah. And um, so he just made it Kelly green man because it just sounded better than Kelly Gray men. And the gunmetal men. Yeah, and so when you hear little green men, you hear that phrase, it actually came from this. Wow. Yeah, learned something there. <laughs> what are some of the alternative theories as to what this was? like? If this wasn't some sort of UFO landing with aliens visiting, what do you think it could have been if it, weren't, if it wasn't that? I couldn't tell you. I mean, I have to think after you hear everything and put it together, mm-hmm. you have to thank Alien because, like I said, people seen lights during the day that day. They seen lights that night. They heard things during the night that night that didn't make any sense that they'd never heard before. Right. Um, so with that, I have to thank Alien. Of course, you know they are they you know they are called Hopkinsville goblins, and the reason they're called goblins is, and I love goblins better than Kelly uh, Kelly Greenman. I'll be honest with you, I just <laughs> love calling them goblins. But my grandmother, you know, she thought they were something the devil had brought forth because she was really religious, mm-hmm. and so that was her first thought. That did she do something wrong with mm. something, you know, right. and and because she had just went to church that night. Like I said, she's very religious. Um, goblins. So they did call them goblins for a little bit until people realized, okay, we had all this stuff going on. So hmm, maybe they were aliens. But, you know, I've had people come forward and tell me different things too, which you read in the book. Mm-hmm, absolutely. But, I know like owls, um, like an owl. Uh, but I mean, owl. these people were, you're in the middle of kind of, you're in the country. These people are farm people, and they right. they know what an owl looks like at night. So I got to think, and also shooting a creature that close. I mean, I don't think they're going to miss. Right. So right. that doesn't make any sense to me. These and I think like a cat and monkey theory. But yes. I mean, again, yes. you know, they know what animals look like. Animals don't have giant yellow eyes and float around and and dodge bullets and you know that sort of thing. <laughs> And that's what sometimes it, it just it just tickles me because you can't make people understand these were country boys that could hit anything. Right. 
you know, they could hit a rabbit running and a squirrel out of a tree. So they were hitting these three-foot-tall beings. So, you know, it just kills me when somebody comes and says, oh, it was just a monkey or it was just a owl. Hey, if it was something living, it would be splattered all over the place. Yeah. I mean, they were hunters and stuff. Now, um, was your dad the type to, I mean, because I know they were kind of joking around that day, but I mean, was your dad the type to like keep us, you know, keep something like this going for so many years with, you know, without coming out and saying, okay, yeah, it was a joke. I mean, was he a jokester or anything like that? No, no, my dad was the serious one. Billy Ray was a jokester. My dad was serious. I mean, whatever this was, it scared him to death. He didn't like talking about it. Uh, You know, of course, people would come forward every once in a while and want to come talk to him about it. He just wouldn't do it. It was like before he passed away, there was somebody from Germany trying to get a hold of him wanting to talk to him, actually wanting to take him over to Germany, and he just wouldn't do it. I mean, it frightened him to death. It, You know, I'm surprised to even talk to those two people that came back in the 60s, you know, when I was little, because he just did not talk about it. But I guess he figured, well, the kids need to know because they're going to find out. Right. And that, and, kind, of, uh, and that kind of takes away from the whole they they just did this for money or notoriety or attention because I mean, yeah. they didn't really get any of, I mean, they got attention, but it was, it seemed to be unwanted and they never really profited on. Well, yeah. You know. And so you got to realize too, my grandmother and uncle JC and them, they didn't have the money to go to the movies and see things like this. This was just an old country family that barely made it from week to week, much less knew about such things. They had a radio, but they didn't have anything else. The only thing they had was, you know, the people they knew at church, their neighbors and stuff like that. They did not know such a thing existed. And, you know, the only ones that would have are my dad and Billy Ray because, of course, they traveled and they may have known. I don't know. They may have not. Sure. And, uh, uh, but yeah, this is something that terrified them. You know, it terrified those three kids to this day. The two younger ones will not speak of this. The older one, he used to, but he doesn't anymore. Now, the kids that were there, because there were 11 people in the house, right? Right. There were several of those were children who never, did they actually see the creature or did they, have they just not talked? Because I was under the impression from reading the book that they didn't see anything. They were just kind of like huddling in the bedroom or something. The older one did because... Oh. The two smaller ones really didn't. The older one did. Mm-hmm. Um, he says that he he got away because they. My dad actually told my aunt Eileen to take them to the bedroom and hide the kids under the bed because he didn't know what these things were. Didn't sure. know if they were going to try to hurt them or what. Mm-hmm. And so my uncle Lonnie got out from under the bed and and went ran to the window to, to look, and he looked out, and there was one outside the window. So he actually seen one. Now, the two smaller ones, I don't think they did. They kind of blocked this out because it was just so terrifying. My Aunt Mary, she's a little bitty thing. She's a little bitty thing now. Mm-hmm. And I can't imagine these things were probably as big as she was, if not bigger. Oh, my gosh. Probably bigger because she was tiny. And so I can't imagine in... This is, okay, if you really want to know how true this story is, mm-hmm. this is a good thing I can tell you that will just show you. 
when they had the Kelly Festival every year, I would have to go and speak. And so they would schedule for me to speak. And so I'd always noticed that my aunts, my aunt and my two uncles would never come during my speaker thing. And no, no biggie. That's all right. I didn't care. I understood. One year when I did it, my Aunt Mary was there, and I think she must have not looked at the schedule or something. But anyway, she stayed there. She was out in the audience. And after I was done with the story, come off the stage, she came up to me. She was white as a sheet. And she told me, she said, oh, my gosh, you brought it all back. I said, what do you mean? And she said, it brought it all back. She said, it's terrifying. It scared her to death to hear that again, because all these years she has put it in the back of her mind and has tried to forget this, ever existed, ever happened to them. Then all of a sudden, here I am telling this story, what happened that night, she was there. So she relived it. She was terrified. And if it didn't happen, if it was some made up story, I mean, she wouldn't have had that reaction most likely because exactly. it wouldn't have been another thing that kind of makes it more not to doubt anybody. I'm, I'm a natural skeptic. I like to have an open mind, but I do like to kind of think, think of things skeptically. Yeah, um, I, I think that's just that. healthy. Yeah. Um, if they were, if there was some sort of prank, I mean, you've got little ch- children running around the house and you're shooting guns in the house through the window. I mean, that's taking things a little far for a prank. Right. I mean, so... There definitely was, in my opinion, there was definitely something there that they had that scared the heck out of them. Um, exactly. There's no doubt about that, and they were shooting at something. And that's what I try to make under, people understand when I do speaker sessions and book stuff and all that kind of thing. I try to make people understand, hey, whether it be paranormal, whether it be alien, whether I don't know what it was, but something happened to this family that night whether you want to believe it or not something happened to this family something that caused them to panic so much to where they all pile into the car and go to the police station in the middle of the night exactly (laughs) i gotta think you know being these you know country guys that are kind of probably macho and like exactly you know i'm gonna be run scared into the police station that thing there's aliens running around i mean exactly for that to happen you've got to really be kind of frazzled to say the least exactly you're not gonna take your 50 year old mama and your little bitty uh two brothers and and sister out in the middle of the night to no. the police station seven miles down the road if there isn't something happening there. I wouldn't think you know? so. And then you don't and then you don't walk into a place and find it all shot up. You know, they couldn't right. afford to shoot up their house and have to refix it. You know, they were poor people. They couldn't do that. You don't do that. That's a good point. Like why would they Plus, have done that? Yes. Plus you know all the neighbors were hearing this. In fact, one of the mm-hmm. neighbors that lived behind them in the next farm over heard the commotion going on and thought they were having trouble with the animals or something. He actually put on his boots, grabbed his flashlight, and was fixing head on out, and then the gunshot started. And he's like, Nope. Not gonna have any of that. <laughs> you know, but I'll get shot before I get there. No kidding. Did that person see anything as far as like lights or hear you know, any of the see any creatures or anything like that, that neighbor? I don't think they did. They may okay. have seen lights or something, but I don't know. I know they didn't see any creatures because they were the only ones that saw the creatures. Nobody else seen the creatures. And I've heard I've heard so many different versions of the story. I've heard you know, 
it, it's ever it's talked about a lot among those in, in UFO you know lore. But uh, what would right. you say is one of the biggest misconceptions about about what happened that night that you hear over and over, and you're just like, that's not what happened. <laughs> is there something that's told over and you're just that's a oh, well, it's just the the alcohol thing. Of course, that's one of the main questions I get asked at every book thing I do. Mm-hmm. Um, was there alcohol there that night? No, there wasn't in the police report. Mm-hmm. No alcohol was there. They searched the premises. Besides that, my grandmother was very, very religious. She would not have alcohol around her kids. So no, alcohol was not there. And that is the that burns me up when people bring it up because the first thing people think Kentucky, it's hillbillies, and they got a moonshine still back in there. Well, no, they didn't. <laughs> you know, my dad and Billy Ray didn't even live there. They were on the road all the time. The only ones that was there is my grandmother and Uncle JC, and ain't no right. way they could have done a moonshine <laughs> still. My grandmother wouldn't have done it anyway. And your dad and and they, your Billy Ray worked at a uh, worked in carnivals. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Yes, and they worked. They were working in one in Evansville, I guess. Whenever all of this was yes, going on, yes, it was stationed in Evansville that that week weekend or something. Yep, they traveled everywhere. And then every, was it every year there's uh, the little green men days down in Kelly? What exactly, what goes on down there? <laughs> what well, is that? there was until COVID hit. And ever since no, COVID they stopped hit, doing they it? Just, yeah, they haven't started back up. I don't know if it ever is going to get started back up. I think COVID kind of killed it because it's a lot of work in those festivals. Oh, I bet. Um, yeah, I mean, it is. I mean, money and work, and I think it, they just kind of eased off of it when COVID hit and just haven't tried to do it again. I don't know if they'll try to do anything this year or not. I wish they would because people really loved it. I mean, it was a nice little festival. I'll have to check it out if they if they do it this year. Yeah, it's pretty cool. How were the neighbors and other people in the towns around there, how do they treat your family after all of this, were they kind of ostracized or made fun of or uh, oh, ridiculed yes. or what did people finally come around to it or how? Well, you know, the people that lived around there knew them the best. They knew better. I mean, they knew that something happened that night. They believed my grandmother because of who she was, for one. Um, Chief Greenwell, he believed it wholeheartedly. Another one of the officers, Officer du- Dudas or Dukas or whatever his name is. Um, he believed it because both of them had experiences before this happened themselves. So they wholeheartedly believed it. And, of course, like I said, the neighbors believed it because they, they knew who they were. Right. And um, the only people that really kind of laughed about it, I think, was outsiders like people that lived in Hopkinsville and, you know, other places kind of made – well, didn't kind of – didn't make fun of it and didn't believe it and – you know, which that's going to be, even today, it's going to happen. But Yeah, uh, I mean, it's it's quite a story that, I mean, I, I could see why your dad was kind of like, we're not telling anybody anything because this is just, we're going to be ridiculed. And you can't, it's a no-win situation, honestly. Um, exactly. If you have something like that happen, they didn't have cameras to take pictures of, of what was going on, so they don't have any proof. and Right. And they probably wouldn't have thought about taking pictures, even if they had of, because well, yeah, to them that was terrifying. I mean, you, you got to think, okay, Matt, think about this. If you're sitting at home, <laughs> right? <laughs> I like to think of it this way. Mm-hmm. If you're sitting at home and you're sitting there watching TV, not bothering nobody, mm-hmm. just 
taking it easy. And all of a sudden, here you look toward one of your windows, and there stands a little three-foot-tall being with big yellow eyes looking in at you. What oh, yeah. are you going to do? Oh, I'm out. I'm 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 gone. Exactly. Exactly. I'm not grabbing a camera. I'm probably just going to run. Exactly. And, you know, that kills me also because people will tell me, oh, if I were in that situation, I would have invited them in the house or I would have shook their mm. hand. Or, right. And I'm like, no, you wouldn't. If you would have dropped everything, peed your pants, ran and hide. <laughs> <laughs> you know? It does make you wonder what they were doing because, I mean, they just they were they kept coming even though they're being shot at. They weren't really exactly. it didn't seem like they were attacking necessarily, but they were just like curious or something. Um, yeah. Yes, and that's what my grandmother was thinking, too, because my grandmother being the person she was, she was soft-hearted about everything. Right. And she thought, well, what if these little things were in trouble? What if they Mm. needed help? Well, but my dad, being the the man he was, was like, we don't know what these are. We don't know what they want. I'm not letting them in the house to see, you know. Well, it's not and, like you guys can help fix their ship or something if it's broken exactly. down anyway. So it's like there's no good that can come from this. Exactly. You know, what are these little creatures? You know, are they here to right. eat us? What, you know, oh, no what? Kidding. So, you know, that was his thing. Shoot first and ask questions, ask questions later. later. Yeah, I can, I can definitely understand. What advice would you have for someone who may have a story to tell, but they're afraid to do so because they're afraid of being ridiculed? Would, what, what advice would you give for that person? Just find somebody that's going to listen to you because that's a big thing because every time I go somewhere to do a book thing or whatever, um, um, I have people come up to me and tell me a story. Never fails because I will listen. Just find somebody that will listen to you and, you know, not laugh at you. You know, there's going to be that person out there that's not going to laugh at you, believe me, because you would be surprised at people that are walking around out here that have a story that is afraid to say anything. I'd say most everybody has some sort of weird story they've they've had yes. that they just keep to themselves. Everybody does. Yes, yes. whether it's lights in the sky. Um, you know, I had a girl that I used to work with. She used to go to the next town over to community college at nighttime after work. And she said one night after work, there was these red lights following her. You know, now the from town to town, this is country. So, you know, this is a big, long country, 45-minute drive. And so, you know, she had these red lights following her. She didn't know what they were. They scared her to death. She couldn't tell what it was. It wasn't a car. Mm-hmm. You know, a car wouldn't have red lights in the front of it. And, you know, what was it? You know, if I have had people tell me they seen something just come out of the sky and just come right down in the street, hmm. you know, just crazy stuff like that. You know, I've seen lights that can't be explained. Everybody, just about everybody has had some kind of experience, whether it be something like that or extraterrestrial, I mean, uh, paranormal um, I've had people come to me and tell me about Bigfoot stories. It's a, it's a whole big world out there. There's all kinds of stuff going on. <laughs> it's fascinating. Yeah, the, I agree. That's what just, makes it exciting. That's right. And I agree. I think that's great advice. Just find somebody who will listen and everyone else can just kind of slowly wander away and shake their heads, but talk to, exactly. talk to the people that want to listen to it. Exactly. Geraldine, I want to thank you again for taking time out of your day to tell this fantastic story. I really appreciate it. 
Well, I appreciate you asking. It's Like I said, it's a good story, and any day you can talk about the Green Man is a good day. <laughs> She is such a gifted storyteller, I could just listen to her for hours. Love it. If you're interested in picking up any of Geraldine's books, check out my show notes, which you can find at rivercitymystery.com slash nine. You'll find all the links there. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate it. And until next time, take care. <laughs>